This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Well, good morning and welcome. Whether you're visiting for the first time or you're part of the regular family, you're very welcome here this morning. Now, as I was preparing the sermon for this week, uh, God told me something completely unrelated and completely different, but I think it's for opening the service today. And I think... Well, I know that it was a word for me, but it might be a word for you as well. So why don't I just share it and we'll see how you get on. Because I was going through a bit of a phase uh, this week or last week that we've transitioned over the last year or so from a Sunday morning where there was more people than empty seats to a place where there's more empty seats than there are people. And then God took me to this passage in Haggai. And it's one of those situations where you read something in the Bible and you think, it starts with dear Mark and it ends in love Jesus. But let me just share with you what he said. And he goes like this. It starts with Haggai chapter 2. It starts off, it says, Does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? How, in comparison, does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. But now the Lord says, be strong. Be strong, be strong, be strong. Be strong, you people who are still left. And now that you're strong, God says, and now get to work. For I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's army. My spirit remains among you, so do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth and the oceans and the dry land. Well, I don't know about you, but when I watch the news, it looks like that shaking is well and truly underway. I will shake the nations says the Lord, and I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple, of this house, will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's army. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you are the Lord of mighty armies. We're praying this morning, Lord God, about your angels that go out and do your will and do your bidding in ways that we never see, we never understand or appreciate. But you are the Lord, Lord God, who shakes the earth and the heavens. You are the God who pours out your glory. You are the God who is building your kingdom, Lord God. You are building your church. So, Father, we thank you for this word of confirmation and encouragement this morning, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that you are building up the remnant. So now, Lord God, we worship you. 
And we pray, Lord God, that as we worship, it will arise before your throne like a pleasant aroma, Lord God, like incense before your throne, that you will be pleased, that you will be glorified, Lord God. And as we worship you, Lord God, you will pour out your anointing, and the anointing that breaks the yoke, the anointing, Lord God, that sets people free, the anointing, Lord God, that heals people. And we'll see that flow through your Holy Spirit amongst us this morning. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to The Promise and the Purpose, episode 50. We have been at this sermon series for almost a year. And The Promise and the Purpose, if you're here for the first time, is our slow walk through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. It's also, this week is week two of our Back to Basics season. God said we should refocus on worship and on prayer. Now, there's an awful lot that was, we were trying to get sorted this week, trying to get things um, organized, and lots of moving parts. And I think we managed to organize absolutely everything, except I forgot to ask someone to press the buttons on the laptop so that the scriptures come up. But that's fine, I said. I will ask Steve, who's currently in his pants in the toilets, changing out of his <laughs> royal blues. So... I'll ask, Lydia will ask him to jump on the laptop when he gets back. No. That's right, but he's currently changing, so wait. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Yeah. We'll start with a scripture reading from someone that I did ask to do the job. So, Kathy, if you'd just like to come up and uh, read our scripture for us this morning. If you've got your Bible with you, it's Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 16. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Thank you very much. So one day... A long, long time ago. In fact, back in the book of Genesis, God was making a wooden stick. He was going to give it to Adam to use for lighting fires. And the angel Gabriel comes wandering past and says, Ah, oh, that looks like a match made in heaven. <laughs> when Einstein's son was old enough to drive, his dad warned him, Never drive faster than the speed of light, because he didn't want him to end up in prison. What's the difference between a hippo and a zippo? One is really heavy and the other is a little lighter. Light, okay, light is an amazing thing. It travels at over 186,000 miles per hour. It's used to measure distance, it's used to create artworks, it's used for entertainment, even it's used as a weapon. Get your laser guns ready. 
you can see me because about eight minutes, 20 seconds ago, a photon of light left the sun. It was ejected from the corona and it sped across 93 million miles of void. Dodged past Elon Musk's satellites, came down through the clouds, bounced off my reflective forehead and zoomed through the lens of your eye and it struck one of the two million working parts that make up the human eyeball. It hit a photoreceptor on the back of your retina, which converted the photon's energy into a signal that went up your optic nerve, into your brain, all so that you could see my smile. It must be a good smile, because God put in a lot of work to allow you to see it. So in case you missed it, <laughs> we are indeed fearfully and wonderfully made because that whole process repeats itself millions of times every second. In fact, just last week, I went to the opticians. I did indeed go to Specsavers, but other opticians are available. But they showed me a scan of the inside of my eyeball, a 3D model. It looked like a NASA model of the surface of Mars, it's absolutely amazing. The point of all this waffle is to say that the point of light is to allow you to see. When we light a lamp or we switch on a light bulb or we light a candle, we do it in order to allow ourselves to see things. So when Jesus said, no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a jar. Okay, history health check. We think of a jar and we think of a jam jar. There was no glass in Jesus' day. So his jar was an opaque clay vessel that no light could shine through, right? No one puts a light under a jar so you can't see it or under a bed. No, you put it on a stand so that those who enter can all see through the light. And the audience would have gone, well, duh. That is what light is for. Now, I don't know if you're at all like me, but when I heard the passage read this morning or when I read it first myself in, this, in, in the kind of the plan for the sermons, I started humming. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And if you didn't before, you are now all day. So you're welcome. But Matthew records in his gospel a time when Jesus talks about putting your lamp on a, on a stand so that you know, people can see your good works because we are, in fact, the light of the world and people will give God glory when they see all the good things that you can do. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, today's scripture has absolutely nothing to do with that. So Jesus is talking about lamps, but he's using them as a metaphor for something completely different. So Jesus is talking about a lamp in a house because he talks about putting under a bed, right? So beds only occur in houses. He says everyone who enters the house needs to be able to see the light. Well, if you were able to hang around in Jerusalem in about 32 AD, at the time when Jesus was still preaching, if you were walking down the street, you heard some people going past saying, come on, let's go to the house. Everyone would know that they meant they were going to the temple, okay, the, te the big temple in Jerusalem, because people called it simply 
the house. The house where God lived, right? Everyone called it the house. And if you were here last week, you heard last week's sermon, you may remember me pointing out that when you read your Bible, you've got these little headings in there. Those were not put in by Luke when he wrote the gospel. They were added later by the translators. And they're supposed to be helpful, but sometimes they can create a false impression that you've moved from one idea to another, from one story to another, when actually you maybe haven't. So last week, Lydia shared a brilliant message about the parable of the soils. And in case you missed it, or maybe you weren't paying attention, remember the, the word that withers quickly, yeah? If, you, if you've forgotten already, here are the highlights from last week's sermon. Jesus said the kingdom of God works like this. The word of God is sown, you know, like a farmer scattering seed. Some lands on good soil, where it takes root and it produces a harvest. Other seed lands on hard ground, and the devil steals it away before it can take root. Other seed lands on soil where it starts to grow, but as soon as time gets tough, as soon as times get tough, it just withers away. And finally, the seed that was, grows in soil that's healthy at first, but then weeds are allowed to grow in with it, and it chokes it out, and the crop fails. And Jesus goes on to explain the parable to his disciples like this. So just reading again from Luke chapter 8, starting verse 11. It's, Jesus says, so the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes along and he takes the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but they've got no roots. So they believe for a while, and in times of testing, they just fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those people who hear. But as they go along their way, they're choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. And so their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, they hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Okay, so that's how that kind of section ended. That was how Lydia finished her sermon. But immediately, Jesus goes on to say, okay, no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. They put it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. For, for the one who has not, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away. So Jesus is still talking about the word of God and the way that we respond to it. And in particular, how we respond to the word of God when we hear it in the house, in the temple. In other words, in church. Now, I often used to, to read the parable of the soils and think it was only about evangelism, you know, preaching the gospel. And it's how people respond to it. They become Christians or they don't kind of thing. And, and certainly that is one of the core meanings. But I think there's another application here as well. You see, every time we hear the word of God preached in the house, every time we open our Bible and read it, for that piece of revelation that we receive from God in that moment, the parable of the soils plays out again 
in our life for that particular individual encounter with the Word of God every single time. So you might be sat in church today. You might be watching online. You might be listening to our podcast three years from now. And as I share with you from the Word of God today, the devil is going to come and try and snatch it away before it has a chance to take root in you. You might be distracted by work. You might be offended by something someone said or something someone didn't say. You might be worried about money or the doctors or your children or you might just be bored or hungover. Or maybe the word that you hear this morning, it will have withered by the end of the week because right now your soil is full of rocks and stones and when you encounter a time of testing this week, that word's just going to fall away. Or the cares of the world are going to catch your eye and your fruit is not going to mature. You know, every time we read our Bible, every time we listen to a sermon in church, the harvest of good things and the blessings that we get from the Word of God that has been sown into our life depends on the state of our soil, the state of our hearts, every single week. So here is Jesus, he's speaking to his disciples the ones who would be the teachers and the preachers in the new Christian church that's going to explode around the world after Jesus' resurrection. And so he switches metaphors, and now he's using light rather than seed to represent the word of God. And he says to his disciples, the future preachers, he says, you've got to share the word clearly so that everyone who comes in can see it and understand Jesus himself spoke in parables, but he says in the future, and for us that time is now, yeah, those things that used to be hidden are all going to be made clear. That's why he says in verse 17, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, that will not be made clear, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. And then he comes to this warning. Yeah, which is a, a parallel to the warning about the state of our soils when we hear the word of God. He says, verse 18, Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. But for the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. What is being given here is understanding and the harvest of blessing that comes from the right understanding and the application of the word of God into our lives in the next seven days. The Amplified Version of the Bible puts it this way. He says, So be careful to how you listen, for whoever has a teachable heart, to him more understanding will be given. But whoever does not have a longing for truth, even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. The Apostle Paul picks up on this theme in the letter to his young Padawan, Timothy. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, For there's a time coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They're going to have itching ears, and they will accumulate for themselves those teachers that suit their own passions, who turn away from listening to the truth, and they go wandering off into myths. So let's not be a people with itching ears who goes chasing after the latest cool preacher who's going to say the stuff that we just want to hear. Instead, we should be people who listen to the truth and put it into practice, taking care of the soil of our hearts so that the word of God that we hear and we put into practice will have a result and change us. 
James puts it this way in chapter one of his letter. He says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, because you're just deceiving yourselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his face in a mirror. He looks at himself, then he goes away, and at once he forgets what he looked like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the scripture, the one who perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And that is how the word of God, it takes root in our hearts when we put it into practice. When we put into practice what we've just heard taught in church, when we put into practice the stuff that we've just read in the Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture, every page of the Bible is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So every time we read our Bible, every time we listen to a sermon in church, that is teaching from the Bible. Yeah, these are the four things that will happen. We get taught what is true. We realize what is wrong in our lives. We get corrected from doing wrong things or thinking wrong things, and we're taught to do what is right. And all this is in order to equip us to do things. Yeah, for once, the Apostle James and Paul are actually in agreement here. They agree that for something to change, you mustn't just hear a good sermon, you must do what it says. Put into practice what you've learned. Put into practice what you've read. So I want to take a quick peek at the Greek here, because some of these concepts, they sound very similar in the English, but actually, there's a lot more going on. So just, to, just in the last couple of minutes, take these four key things and expound a little bit what they mean. So first of all, when it says the Bible teaches us, yeah, this is the Greek word didaskalia. It means, uh, well, to teach, actually. So it means you're supposed to learn something when you come to church, which implies that you have a teachable heart and a teachable attitude that we're humble enough to learn something, regardless of how long we've been a Christian, regardless of how long we'll be coming to church. We're not someone who sits down to listen to a sermon and is like, go on then, impress me. Or you kind of shut down when it's not your favorite preacher. Come on, be honest. Have you ever been one of those people, you've been sat in church and you've had great worship and then that person comes up to the microphone and you think, oh. Candy Crush. <laughs> the Bible teaches us, but we must be teachable for it to allow to teach us. Secondly, it shows us what is wrong in our lives. So this is the Greek word elegmos, okay? And I think the strength of this is lost a little bit in translation. The ESV translates it as reproof, okay? It was a much stronger word than just showing you what is wrong in your life. Elegmos means to rebuke to censure, to, to give you a good telling off. And it's never had a pleasant experience, is it, to receive a good telling off. But you know what? If you were going to a church where you never, ever felt uncomfortable in the sermon, there's something missing, isn't there? Because that's what Scripture does. And when there's something that needs correcting, you'll get that sense of 
elegmos, telling off if you're doing something wrong. Scripture also corrects us when we are wrong. And this, I love this one, okay? Epanorphosis, or as Coldplay sang, I'm going to fix you. So this correcting from Scripture, okay, epanorphosis, it means to fix something such as repairing the damage to a beautiful sculpture, rebuilding and redecorating a great cathedral, fixing a typo in a document. This is the correction that turns you back into who God made you in the beginning. It's the restoration of your beauty. And I think a lot of that comes from a restoration of your understanding of how beautiful you were all the time, but you just kind of lost track of that truth. So when you read the Bible, there's a correction of your understanding, your self-image, your belief of who you are. That's what God puts into his scriptures when we do what they say, when they believe what they say. So when God says, you're the apple of his eye, when God says, I love you, he's not talking to everyone in the room except you. It's true for you too. And the fourth and final thing that the scripture does, it it teaches us to do what is right. The Greek word, paidou. And this is often translated as as to educate yeah, or to discipline someone in an educational setting, like, like a teacher saying, well, no, no, you don't do it like that. You do it like this. That's the right way to do it. So this is the, the fatherly discipline that God has towards his children. It's the same word that's used when Jesus, in the book of Revelation, for example, he talks about he's going to discipline the church of Laodicea. Yeah, it's this word, paidu, because God disciplines those that he loves. So this is the purpose of Scripture. It's why we teach from it every Sunday here at Hope Church. Why? Because it teaches us what is true. And it makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So when you pick up your Bible and read it, when you listen to a sermon that is teaching you on Scripture, this is what will happen to you because this is what the Bible says. You will be taught something if your heart is teachable and your attitude is humble. You might get told off by the Holy Spirit if, there's, if he objects to something that you're doing. But this is good for you. So don't take offense and run away. You will be repaired, made new, beautiful like you always were, strong, Beautiful like a a battered and chipped sculpture that's been restored to its former glory and cleaned up. And you're going to be taught the right way to do things, the right way to act, the right way to behave. And the promise is, the promise is that we will understand what the Bible teaches us if we approach it with care and diligence. As Jesus said, for nothing that is hidden, no meaning that is obscured will not be made manifest, will not be shown. And nothing that is secret will not be known and come to light. So take care how you listen and how you read your Bible. Then God will add ever more to your understanding and you will be fully equipped for all God has in his good plan for your life. 
Our time is up, church. So let me just close with this prayer made up just from the words of Scripture. Lord God, I pray that you would incline our hearts, O God, to your testimonies. We pray that you would open our eyes that we may behold the wonderful things from your law. Unite our hearts to fear your name and satisfy, satisfy us this morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice, may, we may rejoice and be glad all our days. And all of God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Bless you, Hope Church family. We'll be back here again at 10 o'clock for prayer meeting, 10.30 for the church service. Live stream will, be, will start at 10.30 next Sunday. Until then, have a blessed week. Do what the Bible says. It's not hard, is it? God bless you all. See you next week.